Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the most popular and least listened to podcast in the world, the Sixth Sense Media Podcast, with your host, Mike Phelan. I'm going to talk about the, uh, the noise in the middle. And the, the most interesting thing I, I saw about this is handling two very tricky subjects when, when you're making a movie. You want to you wanna address... You want to address autism in a realistic way while also having a paranormal um, element to it, but not make either of them look, uh, I don't want to say silly, but make them, make the, make it a positive experience for everyone viewing it. How, how difficult was that to pull off in this film? Um, well, first, have you have you seen it or just watched the trailer, or what have you seen so far? I've only seen the trailer so far. I did not get a screener in okay. time to uh, to watch it today. Oh, no worries. Okay, well, good. I just wanted to see where you were where you were uh, coming from. The, the if you've watched the film, that is a great question because obviously, you know, it was a really fine line between uh, you know how do we display the autism in a realistic way so that people, cause it was really important that the people that actually experienced this, you know, cause that was part of, you know, the communication that I was trying to show lack of communication between the daughter and the, mm-hmm. and the father. So when I started to cast it, I was like, all right, I'm the, the, the knee jerk reaction. I've worked in, I've been working as a director for about 20 years since I guess 2000 and uh, in commercials, uh, you know, national commercials mainly worked in comedy too. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry, I got a little bit lost there, <laughs> but what we did was, um, what we did, what I had to do was really concentrate on what level of, because first of all, nonverbal autism, of course, is most people go, well, why is she so loud and grunt? And, you know, cause nonverbal autistic kids are very actively vocal. They just can't use words to communicate. Um, and then, you know, obviously that is, you know, it is such a disorder that you couldn't really, it would be very hard for a nonverbal autistic, you couldn't, I don't, you really, you couldn't direct somebody to get an emotional reaction. If they have true nonverbal autism, that's the way they communicate. So how do you take an actress, a young actress, and put her in this film and say, okay, how do we separate the two? And my thing was, and it's just about people i went i have this incredibly cool interesting character i want to really study communication right and if we put her in a situation with aut- with the autism where she can't communicate with her father um how far do you go you know before you start making the audience uncomfortable or you start losing your suspension of disbelief um and i thought it was incredibly important to kind of simplify it a lot um, I knew I would get a lot of flack in, in either direction. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do my research and really understand what it is that people don't understand about nonverbal autism. Um, and I didn't want to concentrate on autism. That was the other thing is this movie is about an autistic child that happens to be indigo. And if you're an indigo child, you know, you don't have to be autistic. Indigo children are autistic or not autistic. And in the movie, the father is also indigo. So my thought on this was how, if you couldn't communicate that you were a spiritual being and that you could hear people, how would you do it? And my thought was you do it through your mind. 
the only way to talk would be to scream at people through your mind if you understood them. Um, and so that was the part where when she starts to become aware, uh, we had to really walk the fine line of not tipping our hat to the autism where it was like, okay, this story is about autism because it's, it's really about an autistic child experiencing a spiritual experience that she can't relay to her father. And that's the metaphor in life. So walking that line was really hard. I think if you watch the movie, the general audience has come back to me and said they were really appreciative about the way we handled the autism. And I made sure that I didn't tag it on uh, autism as a, you know, oh, she's indigo because she's autistic. It's no, she's indigo because indigo children are indigo. And if she's autistic, it would just be the most frustrating thing in the world to not be able to tell anyone, you know? So, yeah, I wrote the fine line. I wrote the fine line there because no one's ever done it. I mean, you go through Rain Man, you go through all these movies that are about autistic children, and people really don't take a swing. They get really nervous about people are going to react, and especially with nonverbal autism because it's so so in your face and it's so loud and and if you watch the movie actually i probably played emmy realistically at about 60 percent um because if you go if you really go into the disorder you know it it would be un it would be you would be unintelligible you wouldn't be able to actually develop emotion at certain points it would just get too much so that's where the horror came in to really show the distraction in life, and I and that's what I was trying to do with the autism is go here we have is here we have this child who's massively you know can hear everything and wants to talk, and here we have this man who is so caught in the noise and he can talk and he can hear, but he can't say a damn word, and that's the the synergy that I wanted to create. So that was a really long-winded answer, but that was a damn good question to start out with. (laughs) (laughs) That brings me to the next point is how did you cast your two leads? And they have to have that, they have to have that loving relationship, but they also have to have that disconnect too. So how did you find your actors that could pull that off? Hmm. Well, two things, everyone, you know, I, like I said, I've been working in commercials for, many years and I did a lot of comedy did a lot of the you know had a lot of casting um and I when I started to go into this I had Faye Hostetter who is um a really fantastic talented actress mainly she didn't really worked in film only on stage and I have been watching her for a couple of years and she's just really smart and very in, in, but she really enjoys the craft of acting She's, she's that kind of actress. And when I sat down and talked to her, she was really nervous. She didn't want to, you know, do anything that was disrespectful. And, and she wanted to make sure she had a connection. And, and so I took a swing and I really think it was important because I, as I was processing this, I went, do we get a, if you get a name child actor in here and somebody, they have expectation, no one's ever seen this. So if I can find somebody that no one's ever seen that can pull it off at a high level, then people are going to hear her. And so when she auditioned, I, 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 through my casting director, I found John Meese and, and went through his portfolio. And I, I sat down with him and talked to him. He has a daughter. 
um, I said, you know, this I'm going to play this very, very tight. And I said, I'm, it's going to be uncomfortable because the father is going to be disconnected and it's going to look, it's going to feel bad and it's going to look bad. But I said, we're not going to be shy about what happens to somebody when they experience true horror, which is their wife dying and they're left to be responsible for somebody they have no idea who, who they are. And so that was finding that moment. So when I found John, and he has a very stoic, but he's incredibly good with kids. He is, if you go on his Facebook page and see what he does with his daughter, I mean, he is just a big, big heart. And so when those two got together, it was a really solid um, chemistry. And I allowed it. I was really managing, you know, I work in commercials. So, you know, you don't want to get down to the phonetics <laughs> of a scene. Uh, and that, or you've lost it. And it's really because when you're as a director, it's like I'm really glad I had some of that experience because my John did such a good job. And I hope he gets a lot of love because he had nothing to act on. He had no he had an, an abs, you know, he had an absent participant. So he is going through his emotions and talking to himself and stuff with this kid right in front of him. And it just really played up. I have four daughters. And so it played up and it did exactly what I wanted is to show in a very demonstrative way with these two characters isolated, what it feels like to, you know, lose your wife and be stuck with four kids or be stuck with a nonverbal autistic child and not know them. You know, that's hell, especially when you've done the bad work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, when, uh, when you had when you had them to when you have your characters together, do you do you just allow the relationship to form on screen or in rehearsals or outside of all that? Have them actually have a kind of camaraderie, or would that be detrimental to this kind of specific relationship? Well, I was really fortunate. I had to I had to take a swing, and I had two two things. It was like, do I do I hyper rehearse this? So that we just get it down, because honestly, with with Faye, with the nonverbal autism, it's like all of her movements had to be different. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, all right, we're going to repeat this over and over and over again. No, she had to she had to know her general place, but her ticks and her stuff that she was doing had to she just it was in the scene. And so I really wanted to concentrate them in that scene so she could play those moments. So when I put them in, we had rehearsal really interesting because it was pretty good me and doug my dp who's a very very solid collaborator with me um watched them play out the scene and we we did a little rehearsal and i said just throw the cameras on let's see what happens and once we did that and this was before we started shooting and we started to play with that and it started to get more real they really just got comfortable really fast john's a serious pro but they had to sit down and really talk about it because of Faye's fear. She's like, you know, she was very, 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 very um, concerned about making the relationship feel real. And that's the part where, you know, John, as a dad, sat down and said, listen, you know, this is, you know, and, and I'll tell you what really kicked it off for those two. And this is what I will say is that their off-screen relationship it was really important. I would go back and I would regroup because it's really hard. I don't know any young actress, and that's what's ex exceptional about this film. Imagine going back in to do that over and over and over again as a nonverbal autistic child. And I don't care how 
many years of experience you have, that is emotionally exhausting. And that kid really put it on the table for us. And, and you know what? Um, you know, we were talking about it. Getting that relationship down, she said her and John's friendship, the immediate connection, they went out, they had lunch together before that, they spent a couple of days. She said all of a sudden she could just be comfortable in front of him and know that it was okay. So I think that personal relationship outside of it really helped um, solidify the trust because this is a trust film, you know. Uh, did any of your actors, or even you yourself, have any trouble shaking off this film once production wrapped, getting out of that headspace it was required to make such a picture? You know, it is. it was a little bit. There was the, you know, because we were moving so fast. I mean, we really did, for the amount of time we shot and what we shot, we did it in such a small concert. I mean, we really did good. It doesn't look like that I mean, with the time we had because we really were concentrated. So at the end... Um, at the end of it, when we were processing everything, I think everybody, this was the part of the film where everybody, we got done and we went, okay, we did this. Like, what an exceptional, we, we made a movie, a horror movie that has heart and talks about cultural hot points. <laughs> and we don't really know what, what do we do now? What, I mean, like, no one's going to really know what this is. <laughs> and it's because it's new. It's because it's like, it's, you know, when we got done with it, we went, what are people going to say? You know, what are people, are, how are they going to challenge this? Is that, you know, everybody's talking about inclusivity. Oh, we've got to include different characters and we got to have different. And I'm like, I am all in. This is like manna from heaven to hear. And I'm like, and the reason why is because I love working with, um, you know, any anybody, and I put this in another interview, it's like, people that deal with disorders or, you know, are marginalized, they have to draw on that amazing part of the human spirit when all hope is lost and they dig and they make it work. And that is what a horror movie needs is a hero that has to dig and be human, but you don't understand it. So when we got done with it, we all kind of looked at each other and went, Oh my God, we just created something so different. I hope that people can really hear this thing. You know, and, and when we got the edit done, we went, oh, my God, I think we got a movie. It worked, you know, and um, which was an amazing thing because I really don't swing. I mean, I, I have another short film I did. It's called In Case of Rapture, and it's about a guy that sells rapture insurance, you know. Um, so I push the envelope when it comes to, like, hitting some hot buttons and just go, you know, I like to be able to go, if we're going to do a horror film, what would make it different? Well, I come from the world of character, and a horror film is different not because of what's happening, but because of the characters. And that's what draws me to a film is the, is the characters. So we felt like we had a film, but we were like going, holy crap, this is really good, and I hope people hear us. So there you go. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. My, my last question, which is probably the most important question, is where and when will people be able to see the noise in the middle? Um, so, well, yeah, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, so we do have a premiere that's happening this Thursday, the 29th, at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's going to be on the Kings of Horror uh, YouTube channel. It's going to be a live event, so we'll actually have, uh, you know, people can be asking questions off to the side, instant message style. Yep. Um, and uh, so we're really excited about that. Now, the Kings of Horror is a... Uh, um, 
it's a website that is uh, um, people pay for. It's a paid website, so they have a membership. But for this premiere, it's free to the public. Afterwards, for six weeks exclusively, it's on the Kings of Horror um, membership website. After that, our distributor um, at Terror Film is going to be finding home different homes for our film on transactional yeah yeah transactional uh you know content based websites like Comcast, Xfinity, Apple yeah Yeah. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon so we're really excited about the future of this film yeah awesome and for and for our and for our company because (laughs) uh do you have any plans (laughs) for a a physical media release at all yeah, ahead. definitely. It just depends, you know, it really depends on what, where our uh, our distributor uh, finds a good home for it. Okay. Yeah. And some of the cool things, just, just to add in here, we're trying something different. We've got a very got a good film, and it's beautiful, it's high quality, it's, it's a, and it's a solid piece of work. And our thing is, is we really wanted to, especially with COVID, with theaters being shut down and everybody, you know, looking for a really good, solid film, I was, you know, we really talked about this and it's like, you know, you go out and you sell or lease a film really fast out of the gate. And, and we are like going, we're in this weird world where people aren't going to theaters and we really want people to see this now and let's see if they'll join us and we'll put it out on Kings of Horror for six weeks, you know, really like show people how amazing this film is and then go out and say, buy a ticket. I'm telling you what, I don't, you know, it doesn't need to be in this big, a big jumbled mess in, in Netflix, we might be able to touch an audience, and I really, I really hope it stays in that realm. And obviously, we'll end up on those on the other uh, streamers at some point. But we've got to take a swing at this with 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 people at home and with a really good film and message. We hope that they join us and and come and you know check out our film on Kings of War. But we're only doing that to get us right out of the gate, and then on December 11th, we're going to go. You know, we'll be on all the platforms for transactional for a while. So I really want people to know that we're trying something different, too. And we think that we've got a good enough product to do it. You've been listening to the Sixth Sense Media Podcast. You can find more of our celebrity interviews and roundtable discussions on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Be sure to check out our movie, TV, and video game coverage at SixthSense.com and FanBolt.com.